Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back for the final hour here with me, Ben, standing on 106.7 The Fan, up with you until 6 o'clock. We've been talking a lot about the commanders and new owner Josh Harris coming in as well as all the things the Wizards did. And speaking of the local basketball team, one of their big splashy moves, I guess you could say pun intended, was to end up adding Jordan Poole from the Golden State Warriors. To say they traded Chris Paul to Jordan for Jordan Poole makes no sense for anybody who hasn't paid attention to the Wizards for a week, but that is a thing that actually did happen. Uh, to hear the, to talk about what the Wizards are getting in Jordan Poole and why Golden State was willing to move on from him is uh, senior columnist for The Athletic and the editor-in-chief of our Bay Area coverage, Tim Kawakami. Tim, thanks so much for the time. I'm sure it has been a wild few days uh, for you covering the Warriors. Yeah, it looks like they're always wild these days. You know, there's stuff happens, you know, and, and – this is a championship core that they're trying to hold on with, and they're kind of making some moving around it. Uh, it's been very interesting. I think there's going to be some more interesting moves. But this one was a surprise. Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. I, I knew they were interested in Paul. I thought they were going to try to do it a different way. Uh, this one was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. You know, obviously I'll, I'll, I'll ask you eventually about it from the Wizards, what the Wizards are getting in Poole. But, look, he was obviously a huge com- contributor to that Golden State team that won the title two years ago, and then last year, still averaged 20 a game, but but things fell off. He struggled in the playoffs. Why, for you, ultimately, do you think Golden State decided to move on from a 24-year-old who's already shown to be able to produce for a title team? Why do you think they ultimately decided he was the one to move on from? Yeah, there's a lot of things happening at once. Uh, He had signed a four-year, $123 million extension last October, which came, interestingly enough, just a couple weeks after he was punched by, by Draymond Green in practice and the video leaked, uh, it was a very weird time in Warriordom. You know, they were coming off a championship, presumably had good feelings. They had this younger core that they were trying to kind of groom this famous two-timeline plan, which has long since been abandoned, but it was still kind of in the air there. The younger players, Jordan Poole was kind of the lead of that and joining with the foundational players was kind of awkward pools contract was up the money was getting high he got punched they kind of felt i think they had to go up even higher to make sure that he didn't feel abandoned by the team 
They still kept Draymond, obviously. They did not suspend Draymond for that. Uh, it just was this weird, awkward start. The team started off playing terribly. I think there were some, definitely some lingering effects of the punch, just kind of, and it wasn't just the punch in isolation. The punch was a symbolism of kind of some breaks, you know, some, some seams in the locker room, which they've talked about since then. Uh, and it was a weird season and Jordan Poole was not good. And, and there were reasons for it. You can certainly explain a lot of it. It was just a little awkward, not even a little, a lot of awkward situations. The locker is right next to Draymond Green. Draymond requested they remain, you know, in the same spot because he wanted to try to, you know, mend this in, in, in whatever way Draymond could. It was weird, though. And Jordan's not really kind of a guy who was going to go out of his way to mend anything. That's just not him. He's kind of to himself. Uh, he's a, was a popular guy in that locker room, but he's not like a, let's talk about our feelings or let's be a team. But you know, he's not that guy at all. He's a kind of joke guy. He's kind of a, you know, a friendly guy, but not, not the team stuff. And it just never really kind of worked. It never really got mended. Uh, they played okay. They got the six seed. They upset the Kings in the first round, but Poole did not play much in, in the second half of that game. I don't think he played at all in the fourth quarter of game seven. Uh, Steph Curry had to do the speech the day before about kind of body language and attitude. And though no one is saying exactly it was about Jordan Poole and John Kaminga, the second year player who had not got a lot of minutes, nobody's denying it either. Like the, those two guys, body language, they're, kind of their, you know, sideline rolling their eyes. And there's been a few moments when Poole kind of shook off Draymond. Again, you can understand a lot of this, but it was going on all season. It probably bled into his play. Uh, he was not good. And then the succeeding Lakers series, really not, like average like eight points a game. A uh, lot of turnovers. I just think it got to the point where the money was starting to kick in. The seams were showing they needed some kind of way to change who they were, and moving pool was going to be the best way. And uh, they did shop them. I mean, you know, whatever that means, they were taking what they could get for them, and Chris Paul was the best they could get for him. And you can understand he just changed a little tougher, more grown up. And they're looking for grown ups, and Jordan Poole was kind of the cost of all that. We're talking with Tim Kawakami from the Athletic at Tim K A W A K A M I on. Twitter, um, you know, a lot of the things that you just described about Jordan Poole is kind of why I'm a little, a little unsure about this is the this is the big contract that the Wizards took on. Now, look, the Wizards are in a position you just you're just asset gathering. You you you, you blow the team up. You take on you know picks and young players, and you figure out what you can get. And Jordan Poole at 24, certainly you would think there's there's a lot of potential there. He's already been averaging. 20 a game on a team loaded with other scorers. But you talked about, I also think the Wizards need to establish a new culture here. And you just described some of the concerns that happened with Jordan Poole last year with some eye rolling and other things. Plus, he's certainly a guy that likes to shoot that volume shooter. And that to me is not how I look to uh, put, put all my put players on my team. But again, he's a guy that has done well in big spots as well. What do you think now for him as best you can guess what's in somebody's brain. What do you think happens to Jordan Poole now that he's free of the Golden State situation? He's on this rebuilding Wizards team. Do you see him as a guy who has a chance to not just even be like an all-star player, but like a legitimate cornerstone for a team trying to uh, rebuild? 
I don't know about that one. I mean, I, I'm not a pool guy. I just never was a Jordan Pool guy. Uh, I, I there's things that he does that are very viable. There's things that he doesn't do that I think are very hurtful. Starting with playing defense, I just don't think he's ever going to be, a, you know, a plus defensive player. And many times he's going to be negative. But I think he's going to score. I mean, you know, the word around the Warriors is like they think he's going to lead the league in scoring this season because he's just going to have the ball on a team with not a lot of other scorers, and he's just going to be able to put up as many shots as he wants. And he averaged 24.6 as a starter last season. In a down season, when his percentages were down, uh, the guy can score 30 at any time. Uh, he is He's creative. He's explosive to the rim. He's going to turn it over like crazy. You know, the, the ball is going to be bouncing off his foot. The ball is going to be thrown into the sands. The ball is going to be shot a ton. But he can score. It's a matter of can you do it in an efficient enough way that it leads to wins. Sometimes he did it with the Warriors. Sometimes he didn't. He was, he was chasing as much as you can in a situation where Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were not going to get jumped over. That was not happening. Not happening last season, the season before, not next season, and probably not the season after that. And, and I understand that, and I think everybody on the, you know, around the team understood that. He's not going to have that situation with the Wizards. He's going to have every single chance to do anything he wants to do with the ball. And maybe the defense isn't going to be as important as, you know, as the Wizards, certainly not looking at a championship here. Uh, so he can, you know, increase his value. He can, you know, those the 24-year-olds and score 30 is valuable. I know. It, I thought they were going to get more for him, frankly, this offseason. You know, I, he had a bad year. It just, that contract at the start of it is, you know, is a little heavy. But as it goes on, it won't be as much a factor. I think the Wizards are going to be able to trade him for something down the road if they want to, maybe a, you know, a more winning piece. But as it is, I kind of look at him as top side. Can he be a D'Angelo Russell? I mean, the Warriors had Russell for 30 games. Uh, it won great <laughs> and doesn't fit what the Warriors do, but there's value there. You know, D'Angelo Russell has been traded multiple times for a lot of value, including from the Warriors. Um, you know, guys can get super high in the quarter and score 18 for you in a quarter, and sometimes it's going to be in a big game. Sometimes he's going to shoot you out of a game, but there's – Again, there's value in this in a young player who can control the ball and can get to the rim. Not a great three-point shooter, but he'll take them, and sometimes he'll make them. Uh, you know, maybe I'm describing a perfect losing situation stat gatherer, right? That's We've seen the Wizards have these kind of players. Sure. Uh, I, I wouldn't think that he's going to be a guy who's going to lead them anywhere. I think the Warriors made that decision. Like, he is not – they just decided he's not going to be the guy who's going to take the reins from Steph Curry, whenever that is. They initially thought that, and this decision is pretty much underlying that this is not the guy, whenever the new era begins, probably not going to be with Jordan Poole you know, at the vanguard of him, and, and, and now it definitely isn't going to be. I think, but he's a guy who can you know, make some you know, entertaining nights for, uh, for the fan base. He can you know, steal a win for you when you didn't think you were going to get one. He, had, he did that for the Warriors when you know, the nights that Steph didn't start, like didn't play. He, he was pretty good as a starter. He was pretty good, you know, very good when Clay missed games. Like, he can do that. It's just when you absolutely needed him in an absolute situation, you've got to do it here. This is the, the moment. Didn't always come through in that. And the Wizards are going to have a great opportunity where, so what? Like, give us give us 30 great games out of 80. And I'll, I will say, it will be 80. He's very durable, played 82 last season. Uh, on a team that desperately needed healthy players when you have Steph missing a bunch of games, obviously Clay coming off 
the two massive leg injuries, other players missing time. They needed him to play, and he played. It's just when you're trying to load up for a playoff run, uh, maybe Jordan Poole isn't the perfect guy for that. But I think with the Wizards, it's going to be all the Jordan Poole is going to be there, all on the table. He's going to score 33 a game, and maybe it will be more significant than I'm saying it will be. Uh, we shall see. He will have every chance. It just wasn't going to happen with the Warriors. And I don't think it's going to happen with a, you know, with a really good team. But, but a team that's going to be struggling a little bit and needs somebody to just go go do it, go score, I think Jordan Poole's going to have a lot of stats this season. What a dream for any any NBA player. Here, here's the ball. Just just go ahead, do your thing. Yeah, uh, sure. Shoot. Shoot some right. more. Yeah, that's what it's, yeah, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, perfect guy for that. Um, let me spin it back to your team. Uh, not your team, but you know the team you, you cover. Yeah, I don't think I don't. That's a billion couple of like, four billion dollar team. It's not my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously Golden State, you know, remains such a fascinating team uh, in this league for the dynasty that they've had for several years. Big one of the big questions in coming up in free agency is what's going to happen to Draymond Green? Uh, you know, because obviously you know he could possibly leave. Um, and then you've got the Chris Paul factor. To see Chris Paul and Steph Curry in the same backcourt is hilarious. After their years of some, uh, you know, rivalry. What do you think is going to happen there on those two fronts, uh, particularly with Draymond? Uh, is, is Do you feel it's like a lock he's coming back, or is that a, more up in the air than maybe some people think? Yeah, it's not, it's not a lock until somebody signs and, and someone could ch- jump in with a huge offer. You never know. You know this. Uh, I'll just say every Warriors expectation is that he will resign. Don't know what the number's going to be. I think that's been the understanding all along. Draymond Green has said it, you know, like he expects to be back and he, you know, he's with clutch that, you know, you're not going to say that unless you kind of know what the numbers are going to be. There's certainly going to be some negotiation. There's time until, you know, they can't really talk till June 30th. Uh, now that he's said he's going to opt out, he hasn't officially opted out of this year yet, but he, if, once he does, they cannot talk until June 30th. But I, I think, all understanding. You don't make the trade for Chris Paul if Draymond Green's not going to be on the team, right? You just you, you're doing this for a one year run, and if you lose Draymond, then this one year run is not happening. So uh, the, the 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 general understanding, given that somebody could jump in there, but I know the Kings have been thrown out there. They've got a ton of cap space. Mike Brown, the former Warriors, is going to be very close to Draymond, the coach. Zach Randolph, the former Warriors minority owner, loves acquiring former Warriors. You, you can see the logic of that. I just don't think that fits for them. I think they're going to use their money in another way. Draymond really doesn't fit with what they do next to Sabonis. It just doesn't it doesn't fit logically. I don't think that's the one uh, that is you know making the Warriors think. Oh no, we better pay him thirty five million a year. I think it will be less than that. Uh, we'll see. Again, it just takes one team to make an offer that the Warriors cannot match, cannot compete with, and maybe he goes. I, I think he's coming back. I don't think he leaves Steph for you know anything other than a crazy offer and i just don't see that coming and chris paul and steph curry is going to be fascinating they both signed off on it like chris paul is signed off on being the sixth man backing up steph play the non-steph minutes and maybe you close with steph you know the combo we've seen that happen uh you know he's a different style of player i talked to steve Kerr yesterday about he can't talk about the trade but he can speak generally and he's like yeah you know they do their stuff but they do pick and roll a lot too with Steph, so they can fit Chris Paul into the pick and roll. It's not all movement. It's not all running around screens. It's not all off ball movement. Chris Paul's not going to do that stuff. He's not going to do the stuff that Clay Thompson and Steph Curry have made so famous with this team. He's more, you know, dribble the ball, point somebody, get in the screen, run the pick and roll action, and see what happens. 
they can do some of that. They've done some of that. They did it with with Kevin Durant when he was here. They should have. They had to do it with Kevin. You better do it with Kevin Durant. <laughs> right. You want Kevin Durant to have the ball and, and be comfortable. So I think they can do some of that with Paul. I think Paul is up to it. We'll see how the locker room works. But you know, the, the, they've been saying it for a while now, on and off. They're like grown ups. They had too many young guys. Uh, Jordan Paul was not super young, but he was, you know, acts young. Certainly has a young demeanor. Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman, number two pick in 2020, who they've since traded. And they've just run through Patrick Ball and they tried to put in this Wizards trade, you know, 19 when they drafted him. I thought he was a pretty talented player, but, you know, kind of, you know, young and impressionable and not the toughest guy in the whole world. I, I think he could be a pretty good player, but we'll see. Really good shooter. They want a grown-up, and Chris Paul is a grown-up. You know, maybe kind of replace Andre Iguodala in that grown-up role, but actually play because, Andre just has been hurt too much the last two seasons. It, it, could there be some headbutting? Yeah, you know, but I, I think he doesn't want to be the guy who messes it up, right? He doesn't want to be the guy who comes in and, oh, yeah, Steph and Draymond, you got a good thing. Who cares? I'm going to do no, – no, I, I don't see that. I think Kerr is loving – I know Kerr is loving this. Just somebody to run the team when Steph's out. They just – Jordan couldn't really do that. When Jordan did his stuff, it was Jordan's stuff. It wasn't the team stuff. It wasn't tying that second unit together the way Sean Livingston did or Andre Iguodala did when they were at their best. Certainly Kevin Durant. This is that sort of thing. And Poole was not. Poole was his own thing. He was kind of off in his own world. And when it was great, it was the Jordan Poole world was great. When it was not bad, he wasn't helping anyone else. And no one else was kind of there could to help him. They're counting on Chris Paul to do it. Now, whether if he gets hurt again in the playoffs, then this is a bad trade because they're giving up a lot of value. But if Chris Paul is good for 50 games this regular season and they're not you know, playing him anything more than 20, 24 minutes, and if he's good for them in the playoffs, it's a good trade. I understand it. You know, it's, just a, it's a bet on that. It's a bet on their health team. It's a bet on Chris Paul's hamstrings. Uh, and it's a, it's a bet that Jordan Poole is just Jordan Poole when he's not – going to get better and he's not going to get hardy and he's not going to, you know, he's going to stop dribbling the ball off his foot. Like he does so often. Um, you know, I, I can go with that bet. I'm not a Jordan Poole guy, but the people who really like Jordan Poole might not take that bet. It's, it's, you know, I, I can't say anything is exactly going to happen here other than the Warriors got tougher. The Warriors got more efficient and the Warriors got a whole lot older and they're going to make that run because, they're trying to get every last drop out of the Steph Curry era. And, you know, the two-timeline thing wasn't working. The young guys weren't really – you know, they still got Kaminga. They still got Moses Moody. But they are running out of young guys of this whole other timeline. They're jamming it all into the to the Steph Curry timeline. And you know what? That's what they should do. This is the greatest player who will ever play for the franchise, ever. There will never be a greater player than him. They've got four champions with him. He's still playing really well. You try to do everything you can to try to win another championship with Steph Curry, and that is what they're doing. 100% agree uh, on that approach. Tim, thank you so much for the time. Great stuff. Go read Tim uh, for more on Jordan Poole and what the Warriors are up to on The Athletic and follow him on Twitter at Tim Kawakami. Really appreciate it. Good luck with uh, Steph Curry and Chris Paul. I think you'll find a story or two out of that over the course of the year. Um, so be- <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, best of luck. Thanks again for the time. You got it done. Appreciate it. All right. We've got more to discuss. By the way, he mentioned Patrick Baldwin. I ran out of time. I was going to ask him about Patrick Baldwin and Ryan Rollins. 
another uh, another young player they acquired in that deal. You heard him say Baldwin, a pretty good shooter. He'll have plenty of opportunity, you would think, to play here on Washington uh, as well. All right, we've got more to discuss. We're going to talk a little bit about the Nats and whether through the midway point of the year, do you feel better or worse about this rebuild for the Nats? We'll get to that coming up here on 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You know, between the commanders commandering and more recently uh, paying attention to the Wizards and trying to have some semblance of a life, I have not been paying a ton of attention to Major League Baseball. I'm going to be honest about that. Um, By the way, the Nats at the Padres, 840 first pitch. Uh, You can hear that on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, But the, uh, you know, I'm aware of what the Orioles and the Nats are up to just because I'm, you know, osmosis and uh, try to pay attention a little bit here. But, you know, the rest of baseball, I, I am trying to catch up now because, look, obviously, other than the NBA offseason, the NFL is in a quiet period. NHL going through their offseason as well. There's no action on the field in, of the local teams except for the the, the Nats. Not, I, I'm aware of the Mystics in D.C. United as well. I'm just talking about the you know, the quote unquote four major teams and, you know, trying to figure out in baseball here, you know, the Orioles are, you know, second in the AL East, one of the top contenders there. Are they legitimate? And with the Nats, look, we get it. It's all about the future. And the question therefore is what is going on with their future? Is it looking better or worse than maybe we thought at the beginning of the year? Britt Giroli, my colleague at The Athletic, is going to join me next and get her view on those questions, Shohei Otani, and what her favorite thing so far in baseball has been this year. We'll get to her right after this here on 106.7 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Might be cliche to say you're saving the best for last. Not today. Not today. The fourth guest is the one we've been waiting for. Britt Giroli is here to educate me and hopefully you guys on what is happening in Major League Baseball. This has been keeping me fueled up all day knowing you were coming on here with me. How how are you doing? Oh, stop. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Well, I mean, look, I have to carry the load. I we we got we got to have a conversation about when we're getting you back in the uh the, the host mix here. You know, I don't I can't believe they let me do this by myself. That you know, you were here to to, to keep tabs on me, but uh somehow they're letting me do this. Um are you you're back in the swing of things? Uh, I I wanted to bring you on. Like I was like, all right, let's talk about the Nats. But like you know, you're not a Nats beat writer anymore. You are a Major League Baseball national reporter, and I'm going to put that hat on you and get ask you about a bunch of different league questions, including the Nats. Are you prepared for this uh, for this mission? Probably not, but let's proceed. All right. Well, that's a good attitude. Way, way, way to be positive. Um, all right. Well, speaking of positive. Tell me this, you know, I told everybody before, I'm just trying to catch up now on baseball. So tell me what's been your favorite thing so far about the 2023 Major League Baseball season? Probably the new rules. Um, I think the pitch clock a lot of people were a little concerned about, but it adds a nice tempo and flow to the game. And, uh, you know, you can watch a baseball game in two and a half hours now. Um, even like last night I was in, in Baltimore. They were rain delayed. The game didn't start till after eight. Um, but, you know, you're still able to kind of be like, all right, I can make it through this game. I'm able to watch West Coast games. I think what they've done in terms of banning the shift has really helped put a little more emphasis on not just homers, home runs and strikeouts, right? Um, I think what you're seeing with the bigger bases has led to uptick in steals. Um, and certainly the pitch clock and the throwovers are, are a factor there as well. So I'm going to say the new rules, which honestly, Ben, there's not much that people agree on and there's definitely an even smaller amount that people say Rob Manfred did the right thing here but really I think I talk to agrees Rob Manfred did the right thing here with these new rules yeah I mean I've heard some positive things the steals are definitely up I can tell just from my uh, ale only fantasy league uh some of the players have been getting like you know tons of steals it's, it's pretty notable ultimately do you think is who's getting helped more by this hitters or the pitchers with regards to the pitch clock, I mean. The pitch clock is probably, I think, the hitters. I think it took pitchers a little while to figure it out. Max Scherzer was one of the guys who's been very vocal about it. Now, there are certain hitters, Juan Soto, one of them, who I think have such regimented routines with the shuffle and, and really like taking the time in between that they struggle. But by and large, I think it was a bigger adjustment for more pitchers. Got it. All right. That makes sense because they, they got to hurry up their process to start everything. All right, let, let's go. You just mentioned the Orioles, so perfect to ask about them. Uh, how about the Orioles? They're, you know, still have one of the best records in the American League, look to be a legit contender, and obviously so much of their talk is about the future with all their young players, but this season counts. They're in the mix. Do you think they're going to make a, a significant addition at uh, or before the trade deadline? And if so, what do you think they need to be looking at? Yeah, so I think, you know, What's impressed me about the Orioles has been their consistency. I mean, they haven't been swept in a series since last 
year, early last year, Ben. So, you know, they haven't fallen victim to these, like, win 10 in a row, lose 8 in a row that sometimes we see in baseball from teams. So they've been a consistently good team, even when they're not playing their best, which really the last couple of weeks they haven't been. And it's still right around 500 baseball. So, you know, I think the Orioles' biggest need is middle relief. Now, that's an easy thing to go out and get on the, the trade market. You know, they, there's three arms in the Nats' bullpen alone that you're like, all right, let's take on our Harvey and Kyle Finnegan. And, you know, you could raid the Royals' bullpen, the White Sox, um, you know, the Oakland A's, the teams that you know, Colorado Rockies, are going to be sellers. The bigger question to me is are the Orioles going to go out and get a frontline starting pitcher because that's really been kind of their need all year you know if assuming they go to the playoffs they don't really have anybody that scares you in that rotation they're kind of a rotation filled with a bunch of number threes and while they have performed well uh, that to me would take more significant capital whether it's money absorbing you know some of the contract of a guy that you're getting whether it's prospects that would signal how all in the Orioles front offices. It's going to be easy to get a middle reliever um, and say, you know, we're still going for it. We're good. But to me, the question is going to become, can they get a starting pitcher? Are they willing to pay the price for a starting pitcher at the deadline? Do you think based on having paid attention to what the front office is, is thinking that they are willing to give up some of their top prospects? They obviously have one of the better farm systems now willing to do that. Or do you think they're looking more of a longer term view of this? that even if they're in contention this year, they're looking ahead and don't want to maybe do that just yet? I think they'd be willing to at the right price. And I think that's the, the biggest question that no one knows is which prospects are they going to be okay dealing with? Because, as you mentioned, they have a great minor league system, so they have a surplus down there. However, what they mostly have is hitters. They don't have a lot of pitchers, so they can't really upgrade it on that front, right, and say, hey, let's just hold serve and wait for these young guys next year to come up. I think they need to make a move, whether it's at the trade deadline or the offseason. So you might as well take a look in July and, and really say, hey, we're going to give up some stuff to get here, but we're going to go out and we're going to get guys who have time left on their contracts who are under team control for X amount of years beyond this. So I think they would be willing to do that. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, do they want these frontline guys, these Lucas Giolitos or Shan Bieber if he's available, or are they going to go for maybe a second or third tier it doesn't really upgrade them, but, you know, it's enough for people to say, well, they're sort of trying here. They didn't want to part with their prospects. That remains, to me, the biggest question here over the next month concerning what they do at the deadline. Yeah, no, for, for sure. We're talking with Britt Giroli at Britt underscore Giroli on Twitter, G-H-I-R-O-L-I. Uh, all right. I don't have so much of a question. I just want to bring up Shohei Otani, and it is – it, 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 it's almost becoming ridiculous to just say that he's preposterous because it, he is preposterous what he's doing here. I mean, I don't think we're having an MVP debate this year in the American League at this point. I, I, I can't imagine how anybody else could be con, con, competing with this guy. Yeah, what's crazy is if you were to create a video game and create a, a baseball player um, from that, it would look like Shohei Otani, right? It's not supposed to be this easy. It's not supposed to be... Uh, this consistent. You're not supposed to be this good at hitting and also this good at pitching, right? But that's exactly what he is. It looks like he was made in a lab somewhere or something you dreamed up while playing, you know, a game on your, you know, on, on your little console. Obviously, I don't play any kind of game, which is why I'm like, this mad in a baseball thing? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, he's, he's next, like, he's just next to no one. Like, he's otherworldly. 
And you know, every night that you watch him, and like I said, because of the new rules, I feel like I'm able to watch the Angels a lot more this year. Something special is bound to happen. You're just like, all right, what record is he going to break now? You know, I feel like every headline for the Angels is like, Shohei Otani hits two home runs and breaks a record. Mike Trout homers, Angels lose 9-7, to seven, right? Like, it's just kind of the way that it's gone. But they have gone, to their credit, the Angels have gone on a little bit of a run. Um, and the big question is going to be what happens with Shohei Otani. I think there's next to no chance he moves at the deadline. I think this is the Angels' last chance to really you know, go all in here, push their chips forward, try to make the postseason with this roster. The big question is going to be where he moves this winner. But, you know, right now the Angels are in position to be in the playoffs, Ben. They're right there fighting. And so I expect Otani to maybe even take it up another notch. This is a guy who at the World Baseball Classic under the brightest lights after he pitched was like, hey, I'm going to close in the championship game. Ended up closing, striking out Mike Trout. Everyone knows what that was all about. You know, but he's a guy who rises to the moment. So I'm wondering, even though it seems unfathomable, if there's even another level of Shohei Otani that might unlock if the Angels continue to play meaningful baseball down the stretch. I mean, I got to think if you could give Rob Manfred truth serum, he would say we need to get Shohei Otani in the postseason over any other player uh, out there because like the everybody needs to see him on this primetime stage. And obviously he is just so, such a fascinating thing. Everybody's watching Shohei Otani. And that, I think to your point, like going up a notch, just simply getting him in that spotlight, I think we just do so much for him and for the, for the league. Absolutely. The marketing, the money, the TV money. I mean – People were saying the amount of money they make at the WBC, especially in a year like this year when Japan won it all, because outside of the U.S., Japan is the biggest baseball fan base there is. So there's no question to me, internally in MLB, they're rooting for Shohei Otani and the Angels to do something because they would profit so much off of even just one playoff game with Shohei Otani. All right, before I get to some of the Nat stuff, right now, I'm sure you love predictions. I'm sure you, you love it because you know you're, you're fearing everybody will hold you to it. But right now, who who do you think who do you th- who would you pick to go to the World Series uh, based on what you've seen so far from these teams? Gosh, it's so tough. I think Tampa Bay has been. I mean, they got off to obviously a record start, uh, and they've still just continued to play at like a really really high clip. Um, you know, there are some concerns. Wander Franco was benched recently for how he's handled his struggles. He's a huge part of that team and that lineup. But you look at what they're able to do. Shane McClanahan been one of, if not the best pitcher, uh, not named Otani uh, in the American League. So I, I think when you look at the Rays, they're just a really strong team. Texas is another impressive team. However, losing Jacob deGrom for the year to Tommy John surgery, I don't know if that's going to be enough, right? And then you go to the NL, and, and there are – a lot of strong teams in the NL. I think people sleep on the Atlanta Braves every single year. And the NL West is just a mess right now. So, you know, right now I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays. If I have to pick like a World Series matchup, um, I'm probably going to go with the Padres. I think they're going to eventually turn it on. And the beauty of these expanded playoffs is all you have to do is get in. And once you get in, you know, there can be no more dangerous team than the Padres with that you know, big threatening four in their lineup in Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Xander Bogarts, and Manny Machado. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens here over the next month, Ben, and who sells and who doesn't, because it's been just like a wild stretch to the season. There are so many teams still in it, and this is what baseball wanted with the 12 playoff spots. All right. Uh, let's get to the Nats here with Bridge Giroli. Uh, before I ask you about the on-field product, there was just a recent settlement here with, with regarding the Masson Nats Orioles situation, but not for the whole 
not for everything, but for some recent or for some past money, the the Orioles had to pay to the Nats. But there's still more uh, court cases, or maybe it's not court, but uh, uh, what are we calling this? Uh, arbitration, whatever it might be, uh, to go. <laughs> I handled that artfully. What does it? <laughs> what does what just happened mean going forward? And in, as it relates to the Nats selling the team, because I imagine the other owner, potential owners, are like, "Hey, we need to know what's going on here with this TV deal before we sign on." So, what did what did what just happened mean? for the potential sale of this team going forward. Yeah, it certainly makes it easier. I mean, listen, this is, like you said, the the first step of many. They settled on, I think, four years of payments, which is good, but it was the one that they've been fighting about forever. Now, the good news is RSNs are slowly dying and viewership's going down, so you're probably going to have you know less money to argue over, maybe a better chance to settle all the next ones that are coming between these two sides. But certainly the big factor here in the national sale, the big holdup has been Masson. So uh, does this move the needle? Does this convince uh, a potential buyer, hey, we're headed in the right direction, we may figure it out here? You know, I think for the nationals, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get prop this team up enough to sell it. And right now they just remain in this weird, odd limbo. But this was good news. You know, the you know, on one hand, the Orioles had run out of, like, courts to go to for this. There was nowhere left to turn. On the other, they reached the settlement, which I think people thought would maybe would never see the day. I mean, certainly it was a surprise. So maybe we are making little bits of progress here. Maybe it's going to help the national sell. I still think, you know, we have a lot of hoops to jump through, but it's a positive first step. All right. Now, last question. So I think we're aware that going into this year, it was definitely – they're one of the teams now in this town who was going through a rebuild after trading Juan Soto and all that. And their record, they are they have the worst record in the National League at 28 and 47. I don't think that suggests anything good or bad about what kind of progress they're making, knowing they were going to struggle. But based on what you have seen from them, some of the younger guys, knowing perhaps even if you want to factor in Strasburg situation, whatever it is, do you feel better, worse, or the same about their about their future than you did at the start of the year? I feel about the same. I mean, if you had asked me this two months ago, I would have probably said better. They got off, I think, to a nice start. We're playing a little bit better. And like you said, it's not just about the wins and losses, but, you know, some of the play has been sloppy, has been uncharacteristically um, sloppy, has been frustrating. Uh, And it's the, you know, the growing pains of trying to, you know, have a bunch of guys who, you know, really aren't ready yet at the big league level, but you're trying to develop them at the big league level. So, um, I don't think I feel any better or any worse. I think they have an opportunity here coming up with the draft. They have another opportunity at the deadline. Yes, there's no more Scherzers or Sotos or Trey Turners, but they still have some bullpen pieces. They still have the ability to, you know, maybe get back a prospect or two that will end up being, a, you know, your last guy in the bullpen or your last guy off the bench. You know, there are some moves to be made. I think a lot of what it's going to come down to, Ben, uh, and a lot of what I'm looking for, for them for the rest of the season is the young pitching. And, you know, can some of these guys take step forwards? Um, obviously, Cade Cavalli's injury really crushed them because he was a guy that was expected to play a role, and he was a guy a lot of people were looking forward to seeing progress. So that somewhat kind of hampers them. But, you know, there's still young guys on that team, and there's still the opportunity every start to continue to get better. And I think you have to view it through that small lens if you're looking at this because – it's real ugly otherwise. I mean, you look at the Royals, you look at the A's, look at the Rockies, you look at teams that are trying to put it together. Um, and, you know, it is ugly to watch. 
But then you look at the Orioles, and it was ugly until it wasn't, right? So it's very hard to say when that light can switch, right, when you, when you flip that switch. And I think for the Nationals, it's going to come down to the current coaching staff really being teachers and mentors at the big league level rather than coaches and really helping those guys take those steps forward, take the progression. So I feel about the same. I still think it's really early to judge what's going to happen here. Um, you know, obviously it's a little different because Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez are in the final year of their contracts. So you know, that's something to factor in as well. But right now I don't really have an opinion one way or the other about where this is headed. Well, look, Brittany has a lot of opinions on a lot of other topics, which is why you should go read her uh, on The Athletic. Anything you want to mention that people should go uh, take a look at? Um, no, just, just subscribe and read all our stuff on MLB. Okay. And, of course, yours. Well, you know. That goes without saying. Look, she's a giver. She's not even promoting her own stuff. She's just saying, go check out The Athletic. Uh, that that would be a good thing. Uh, Britt, you rock as always. Enjoy the rest of uh, your Saturday with your little one, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Ben. All right. That is the great Britt Giroli. One segment to go here on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. Uh, ben Standing still with you uh, on 106.7 The Fan. All right, wrapping up today's show, uh, I'll just first say thanks to all of our guests today, Britt Giroli, Tim Kawakami, Zach Harper, and Evan Novi-Williams for their time. Uh, you know, I think I think it's going to be a quiet time here for the next few days. I mean, again, the Wizards could be doing a few things. Um possible there's a a significant trade in terms of them taking on somebody's contract but you know relatively speaking they i think things should be a lot quieter for them than it was this last week obviously the commanders are off until uh training camp starts around the 25th of july and you know we just heard that the uh nfl owners are going to meet july 20th to likely vote on the sale of the commanders and obviously all eyes will be on that but there's not much more to discuss about that other than what does josh harris do when he takes over we discussed that a bit in the first hour you offered him some advice here on the show and you guys chimed in as well i i think that's to me is where the focus is going to be if you're a nats person obviously you're gonna as we just discussed with brent you're gonna pay attention to how the young guys are doing and you know, as with Davey Martinez uh, and Mike Rizzo, you know, what what kind of finish does it matter for their futures? Probably not in the case of Rizzo, at least. But there's still some things up in the air for sure. But like I said, we already know the Nats are going to have a rebuild year, and that's what they are doing. The Commanders, it's not a rebuild. It's a we don't know what it's going to be. They have got enough talent to compete this year with Sam Howell at quarterback is is the really interesting question mark, not to mention Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator, the offensive line. And as much interest as we all have in that stuff and as much fun as all that is, Josh Harris, what does he want to do with this team? Coaching side, the business side, does he does he have suggestions on how they can be aggressive and take everything up a notch? I I think that is to me what we're all kind of waiting for. And I know on the beat, there are people who are saying, hey, or people say to us, hey, the Snyder sale is almost done. You, you get to take a break. Now, that's not going to happen because now we go to Josh Harris' watch, 
What does he want to do with this team? I don't think he's making any changes with regards to uh, the coaching staff or anything now, but something will be coming. And whether that's happening right after the sale or soon thereafter, that is going to be so interesting to watch. And we will, of course, do that. You can read me on The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. And, of course, keep listening to 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. But for now, Ben Standing signing off. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.